I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm your host, Patty Teal, here as always with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. And Vicki, we have a guest today who's going to share a story that's going to be an important warning. Absolutely. I'm so happy to have with us today Randy, who called my fraud hotline with a very, very interesting story. It's a story that demonstrates how convincing and sophisticated these current scammers can be. And it really supports my theory that anybody can get scammed. So welcome, Randy, and I'm so glad that you agreed to be on the show today. This started off with a phone call, is that correct? Tell us about that phone call. Well, the way it originated, and I, I, I had just completed shopping at a few stores, and I was just going to head home to put my perishables in the refrigerator. And tell me and, where you live, because where did this all start out? So I live in Santa Maria, and I went to Costco, and then I went to Trader Joe's. Okay. I live a few miles from Trader Joe's, which would be south from the location I was at. I'm sorry, north. And I received a phone call. And the phone call stated that I had missed jury duty. And it wasn't just jury duty. It was federal jury duty. Okay. And the federal jury duty, I, I know that at least I've heard, they're really strict. They have multiple means of reaching you via letter, via text, via email. So they'll send these notifications through all three of those, at least those three, if not more, ways of reaching you. And this phone call came, said that I missed the federal jury duty, and they had put a warrant out for my arrest because I missed it. Now, who did this phone call supposedly come from? Well, first of all, the phone call came from a, an unidentifiable number. It was a no, there was no number. Okay. But, which generally I don't answer those calls, but I did. And they stated that they were the Santa Barbara Sheriff's Department. Okay. And I said, well, you guys called me from a no-caller ID number. Now, how do I know you're the Sheriff's Department? And right at that moment, the gentleman said, well, just a minute, and I'll connect you to the station. And when he connected me, it literally came up as a legitimate number. And I said, well, now, how do I know that's the sheriff's number? And they said, Google it, and it'll tell you. And sure enough, I Googled it, and absolutely was the sheriff's number. Now, did they tell you that you had gotten some communication, that you had signed something? Yes, the way the conversation went. Well, first of all, I asked them, I said, I have groceries and I need to take them home and put them in the refrigerator. And they said, I hope this is okay for me to jump to this point. Sure. They said, no, you cannot even be on the road. What we're going to do is we're going to keep you on an open, constant contact line. And that way we know that you're complying and you cannot take your groceries home. You need to head to Santa Barbara immediately to pay this fine. I'm sorry. You asked me a question and I kind of went off in a different direction. You said that you knew there were several ways that if you were going to be called for federal jury duty, they would notify you. 
I believe you told me that the fake sheriff said, well, you signed a letter from the marshal's office. Do you recall yeah, that? Yeah, so it was a registered letter they sent. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I do not recall signing a registered letter. Absolutely do not recall that. So as he went on, he continued to inform me that, yes, in fact, I did sign for it. Okay. And as time went on, he almost convinced me that, yeah, maybe I did sign for it, okay. even though I didn't think I did. Well, when I started questioning that, he actually had the information of the date that that letter was sent. He had the information of the date that that letter would have arrived at my house. Now, I have USPS get informed or whatever it is called. So they will inform me as to what is coming on what day. So I actually went into my emails and verified on that date that he said that that letter would have arrived. And in fact, it did or would have. So he gave me the exact date that it would have been here and the date that I supposedly signed for it. Wow. So while you were driving to Santa Barbara, did they tell you to stay on the line? Well, so yeah, I finally made the decision that yes, they told me if I went to my house to drop off my groceries, I would be going in the wrong direction and I would be considered fleeing. Wow. And they could ping my location and tell which way I was heading. So if I did not want to be arrested, I needed to head directly to Santa Barbara. And I him hard about it because I said I do have groceries that are perishable and they need to get in the refrigerator. Long story short, yes, I said, okay, fine. I'll head towards Santa Barbara. I said, I do want you to realize it's at least an hour drive. And they said, you are not allowed to disconnect, hang up, mute, or avoid this call in any other way. And if you do, you will be considered fleeing. Wow. So we have to have open, constant contact at all times. They were really playing hardball, weren't they? That's scary. Yeah. And you know what? I consider myself, I won't say the king of picking up on scams. I'm very good at it. Mm -hmm. At least I thought. They caught me at a moment. I think it was the federal jury duty part yeah. that got me. And then they said that they had a warrant for my arrest. And uh, they sent me a picture of a warrant. And wow. granted, it's a piece of paper that anybody could possibly make a copy of and write a name in there. But again, I was caught in the moment. I thought, wow, this is really legit, you know? Well, in the USPS thing, I get that too, but I wouldn't have known how to go back and to check on that. And it showed that something arrived from them as well. I wonder how they were able to do that. I have no idea how they could do it. Another thing when it comes to scams, generally speaking, you'll get somebody that might have a voice with a whole different dialect from another country, very hard to understand. And those are really, you know, really leery. But these two gentlemen that they kept transferring me back and forth from were very well spoken had information that to me, it was like, how did they get that? They must be, it must be legit. Yeah. So what did they want you to do when you got to Santa Barbara? Well, so on my way to Santa Barbara, they asked me to pull over so I could check safely what my estimated time of arrival would be to the bank that I was going to access. 
So I pulled over. I guess I would say fortunately, because I'm not sure what their plan was, if they got that information. But when I did pull over, my maps would not open. So I told them, I can't open it. So I can't tell you. But I can tell you, I've made this trip multiple times. And it'll be about this time I'll arrive. And I don't have the exact address of the bank I'm going to, but I know right where it's at. They said, okay, no problem. What we'll do is, again, we're going to have open, constant contact with you. We are going to stay on the line the whole time. And if you hang up, get disconnected, mute this call, again, you're considered fleeing. I said, well, I do have to warn you that I've made this trip many, many times. There are certain locations that I will possibly lose reception. And they said, that's fine. If you lose reception, we will reach right back out to you. At that point, I'm like, well, if you call right back and I don't have reception and I don't answer, you guys need to give me a little time to get out of that area, you know, so I can get back into an area with reception. They said, well, all I can tell you is if it happens too many times, then we're just going to end this and have a sheriff come and arrest you. We'll ping your location and they'll just come get you. That is scary. And I said, well, I again... I am not trying to flee. I am not trying to evade. I'm not doing anything nefarious. I am just heading to the location I told you I'm heading to. And if I lose reception, I have absolutely no control over it. Why did they want you to go to Santa Barbara? Is that where your bank was? Well, so yeah, this, before I even headed to Santa Barbara, I said, well, I'm in Santa Maria and they have a station in Orchid. I mean, can I just go down to the Orchid Sheriff Station? And they said, they do not have the capability of releasing this warrant. You have to go to Santa Barbara. That kind of got me a little leery in itself. And plus the fact that the warrant was from Los Angeles County, but yet they still wanted me to go to Santa Barbara County. There was red flags, but again, I was lost in the moment. I mean, I was literally shaking, like, I don't want to get disconnected and have them come get me. Right. I'm not trying to flee. I don't want them to think I'm trying to flee. So, yeah, there's a lot of factors that just accumulated and really got me to the point where I was very, very, very nervous about this whole thing. I can imagine. Well, did they give you an idea of how much money they were going to want you to withdraw? Yeah, so they told me that it was a $45,000 warrant and they needed 10%. And during this time, they're telling me you're going to get this $4,500 and you're going to go to the sheriff's station. So the whole time, my thought is I go to the bank, pull out what I was able to pull out, go to the sheriff's station, and then go to, they mentioned the second floor. So my thought was I get the money from the bank, drive to the sheriff's station, go to the second floor and pay the sheriffs. That was my whole thought. This is how I thought it was going to work. Well, as I'm driving, I told him, I go, you know, I don't have that kind of money to just pull out of the bank because I have bills I have to pay. I have a car payment. I have a mortgage. You know, I have to eat. I have to pay all my other bills. And if I pull that out, it's going to be a hardship. I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. And the one gentleman said, well, just a minute, I'll call and see if we can get some type of reduction for you because it would be a hardship. So he comes back 
and he comes back with half of the 4500 which is 2250 said okay so if you can pay the 2250 then you know we'll let that go and i said even that's going to be hard for me well sir we've already got your reduction i don't know what else you want you really need to pay this so they're getting a little pushy and i said yeah but i i can't live I, it's going to be a real problem and I can't recall whether at that time I'm speaking to one scammer and then he transfers me to the other scammer, or if it's just this one scammer doing this back and forth calling. And I've continued to say I couldn't pay twenty two fifty. So he came back and said, All right, we got it down to eleven twenty five, half of the twenty two fifty. So you get the eleven twenty five and then take that to the sheriff stations. I said, Okay, okay. That I might be able to do. So I got to a few points in the road where I could see the bars dropping my reception. And I said, there's a possibility I may lose you at this point. So again, I want you to know ahead of time, I'm not hanging up. I'm not fleeing. I just may lose reception. And that happened a couple of times, but somehow, very oddly, I always lose reception there. Never lost reception during this drive. So then I, I kept telling him, it's going to be an over an hour. You know, it's going to be over an hour. And they're okay. We're just going to put you on hold. We're going to be on the line listening to you. So you, if you have any questions, you need to interject anything, just say something and we'll get right back to you. So it was like, I'm on silence, but I'm still on the line. And then I tell him, okay, I'm, I may lose reception. Okay. Thanks for letting us know. If we lose this call, we will be reaching right back out to you. So make sure you answer. And that went on and on. And then I finally got closer to Santa Barbara. And I said, okay, I'm exiting State Street. Uh, somewhere in that conversation, it seemed like they should have known the locations I was talking about, especially being Santa Barbara Sheriff's. But it seemed as though they didn't really know where I was talking about. It still didn't click. So then when I said, okay, I'm pulling into the bank parking lot. And I said, look, I've got that money in the bank, but I can't live if I pull it out. And that's when they got a little bit huffy and they said, oh, no, no, we agreed that you would pay this. They said, and when you're in the bank, you can put your phone in your back pocket. Don't tell them that this is for a warrant, because if you do, it's going to be a federal crime that you're sharing this information and uh, you will be arrested. And they also at times mentioned if I did this, I'd be in jail for months. And I can't recall exactly what that conversation was, but they, they threatened me with a little bit of jail time or a lot of jail time if I didn't do it their way. Right. I went up to the teller and I said, I need to pull out $4,500. The teller asked, is everything okay? How are you doing? I paused, quite a long pause. And I said, yeah, I'm okay. Anyhow, I pulled out the $4,500 and I got into the parking lot and I said, now I go to the sheriff's station and meet you on the second floor, correct? And that's when he said, oh, no, no, you go to a gas station, kiosk or a Walmart or uh, any place that has a kiosk and you're going to send the money that way. And then if your signature matches when you get to the sheriff's station, your money will be refunded immediately. And that's when he started coming off with, when you write your signature, can you read it from the first letter to the last? I, I have okay penmanship. I believe you can read it from the first to the last. Yes. And I said, I'm not going to the sheriff's station. I'm paying at a kiosk at the sheriff's station. 
They said, no, no, no. It's a gas station at Walmart. Or, and right then it clicked. I knew it was a scam. Thank goodness. Uh, so what I did is I pulled over, disconnected the call, which they told me not to do. I called the sheriff's station and they said, absolutely not. Do not pay that. That is a scam. Thank goodness. Wow. I'm so glad you figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. What a story. I drove right back to the bank. And I said, I need to redeposit this $4,500 back into my account. I said, I almost got scammed. Wow. But I was almost in tears. And when I did call my daughter, my daughter said, Dad, you're like the king of knowing when you're being scammed. <laughs> I said, yeah, honey, I know. But they just about got me. Well, you know, these people are professionals. And they know just how to hook you in. They know how to scare you just enough so that you're not thinking with your head. You're thinking with your emotions. And I've always maintained that anybody can get scammed. Even the king of knowing scams is vulnerable because they are so good at what they do, these folks. It's frightening. But looking back, what were the red flags? I mean, clearly when they asked you to go pay at a kiosk, that was a huge red flag because they changed their story. This whole time they'd been talking, go to the sheriff, go to the sheriff, go to the sheriff. And all of a sudden it was pay at a kiosk. Huge red flag. Was there anything else, though? One of the major red flags was you cannot disconnect this call. Okay. You need to go pay now. Okay. The there urgency yeah. of you need to do this and yeah. you need to do it now. That's a big red flag. If anybody calls you and asks for money and said they need money, hang up, call whoever it is that's supposedly calling you and verify. Good advice. That's my opinion. But thankfully, you started thinking with your head and you started thinking, wait a minute. They're telling me now not to go to the sheriff's office, to go to a kiosk. Very suspicious. Well, Randy, I think I told you, and I'll share with our listeners, that after you called with your story, I got another phone call from a woman, an, an older woman, a senior, who fell for this exact same scam. And unfortunately, she did go to the bank and she did follow their instructions and she did lose her money, but she didn't have an hour on the road to sort of start processing what was really going on. They got her to move quickly, go to a local bank, take out the money before she had any time at all to figure out that this could have been a scam. So Randy, I'm glad you came on the show to share your story. You are really doing a public service because people that hear your story will know what to look out for and they will know what the red flags are. And they will know what the scam is and they will understand that even though these people are speaking perfect English and pretending they're from the sheriff's department, they're scammers. Well, you did a great job. Thank you very much, Randy. Thank, Thank you. you. appreciate you coming on. That was a very good story, Vicki. And I'm yeah. so glad that you had that guest on the show where yeah. they had so many answers, didn't they? They did. Yeah. I yeah. can understand because they sounded legitimate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting how effective it is if somebody sounds authentic, legitimate, authoritative. You sort of click into, oh, my gosh, this is law enforcement. I've got to do what they say. Mm -hmm. You don't question. Vicki, do you have any good news? I do. You know how I always love it when romance scammers get caught because that's such a dangerous and terrible scam? Well, this is the good news. So this was a 28-year-old Indian citizen who was living in the United States illegally, and he started lower down in this criminal corporation and worked his way up. He first acted as a runner 
in the romance scams. And he would go to different Target stores in Chicago because, of course, often scammers ask their victims to pay with gift cards. So he would take these gift cards, go to various Target stores and get the money off of the gift cards. That was his first job. In later years, he managed other runners as they traveled throughout the country, picking up packages filled with cash from different victims. So he sort of moved up in the corporate organization, but it sort of demonstrates that these are like big corporations. And one of the scams was where the scammer would coerce their victims into believing that they were federal agents that they were talking to and that the agents were investigating them and that the only way they could avoid prosecution was to buy gift cards and transfer to the scammer. So it's a little bit like what our guest today, Randy, went through. They were posing as federal agents, and the only way to get out from under whatever it was that was supposed to be happening to these poor victims was to send money. Anyway, this person who started off small but ended up a manager in this criminal enterprise finally got caught, and he pled guilty, and he'll be going to federal prison. So that will be the end of his career. Oh, good. I'm glad it was short-lived. Yes. (laughs) Would you remind our listeners of the fraud hotline number? Yes, area code 805-568-2442. And I'll repeat that, 805-568-2442. And please call me and share your story because just like our last guest, I got a hold of him through the fraud hotline and he was kind enough to share his story. And I think he's right that this will protect other people from getting caught in this scam. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Vicki. Take care. Thank you, Patty. Okay. Bye. Bye.